Puck comes to the right side, half wall. so there, opens up, he shoots, score! William Carlson tipped it home. 3-0 Golden Knights. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Ducks back in. Vitrano put it on goal. Save Thompson! He scrolls and gets the rebound too. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here's your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas. Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, Chris Chapman live inside the Billy Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the And the Golden Knights go on the road yet again and win yet again. A big-time victory last night for the Vegas Golden Knights over the Winnipeg Jets. You get a pair of power play goals from Jonathan Marcia, so you get a couple of goals from the captain in Mark Stone, and a big three-point night for Daniil Miramanov. Nets' first career NHL goal adds two helpers, and the Golden Knights do what they've done all season long, and that is go on the road and find their game. They they were fantastic in the game last night. Uh, I, I loved a lot of what we saw out of the Vegas Golden Knights as we effort to get Darren Millard connected and ready to go up and running here on the VGK Insider Show. So a lot to break down from the Golden Knights victory. We're also going to get into game ratings because we were not on the air on Monday. We've got a couple of games to rate for you this afternoon. We've got the 3-1 loss to the Boston Bruins on home ice and last night's 6-5 to five victory over the Winnipeg Jets. So that's something to keep an eye on. We are also going to get into the Great Eight. Alex Ovechkin becomes just the third player in NHL history. There it is. Just the third player in NHL history to hit 800 goals. Does it in dramatic fashion last night in Chicago. A rousing ovation for Alex Ovechkin. So Mr. 800, great 800. Alex Ovechkin is eyeing down Gordy Howe now to to tie and then overtake sole, sole possession of second all-time in the NHL goal-scored list. And then he's just a cool 94 goals behind um Wayne Gretzky. So we've got a lot really to break down when it comes to today, but you know, Chris Chapman, let's start with the Golden Knights. Let's start with a big time answer, a response from this team, at least offensively against the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, what, what were your initial impressions of last night's game? Because for me, there were a couple of things with the Golden Knights that really did stand out. Well, I, I it, it was an interesting game. Obviously, it was a back and forth game, but what, what stood out to me, I think the most is that they went down in the third period against a pretty good opponent in the Winnipeg Jets, a team that's got some firepower and, you know, a a guy some people would say is the best goalie in the NHL. I happen to think he's certainly in the debate for the best goalie in the NHL and Connor Hemmelbuck. But for the Golden Knights to be able to not only come back but put up what they put up, four goals in the third period, three of them on Hellebuck, one obviously the empty netter, I think that says a lot about this team. It was gut check time, and they got the job done without Zach Whitecloud without Shea Theodore, and without Jack Eichel, and without Alex Petrangelo. So to, to, to be able to go on the road against a good opponent, be down in the third period, come back and score three goals against Connor Hellebuck, I, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty gutsy performance by the Golden Knights, and it was certainly one where the misfit line, sh- uh, uh, um, um, Sean Bright, 
Uh, Jonathan Marshall, so two power play goals in that third period. So, I mean, it was a really, really good effort by the Golden Knights. It was a game that I don't want to say they had to win, but I felt like it was one that they probably really wanted to win following the loss against Boston and the game against the Flyers on Friday. So, uh, all in all, I, I, I thought it was a really good win by the guys. You know, the Winnipeg Jets have nine losses so far this year. They're 18, 9, and 1. Three of those nine, a third of their regulation losses, are at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights. If that doesn't give you an idea of just how good and dominant the Golden Knights have been throughout the Western Conference, that should be a clear indication of, of, of that that simple fact that the Golden Knights are taking care of business. And listen, I know it's been rocky. It's been up and down. It's been, you know, even keel, win one, lose one, win a couple, lose a couple for the Golden Knights of late. But the fact that they were able to take care of the second best team in the Western Conference and do it in, you know, come from behind fashion early there in the third period, I I thought that that was a really good testament to the Golden Knights uh, not giving up, not allowing the game to turn toward the Winnipeg Jets like it should have going into that third period. It was very reminiscent of, you know, a Golden Knights team that that had to kill off an early power play in the third period. It didn't happen, but then they go and make plays, right? And and that's the big thing for me is that, you know, the Golden Knights, they were faced with a, a deficit in the third period. They were in a position where they had to find a way and dig deep. And the best part about it is it's their power play. It's special teams coming through for them. It's two power play goals for Jonathan Marcheseau and a willingness to shoot the puck. And, you know, to me, I, I thought that the Golden Knights really kind of stuck with the game plan, even though the game was a little bit more high scoring. I don't know that the Golden Knights opened things up so much that they were risking chances going back the other way. Winnipeg's a good offensive team, as, as evidenced by what we saw last night. But I like the Golden Knights' response when they went down early in the third period. Yeah, and you know, the, the thing that, that that's kind of, like, maybe not, not head-scratching, but mind-blowing to me is that's the first time Mark Stone has ever played in Winnipeg as a member of the Golden Knights, his hometown. Mm-hmm. Like, he's yeah. been he's been a member of this team since halfway through Season 2, and the schedule had never worked out. Obviously, COVID, they, they didn't go to Winnipeg at all. That year, last year, he was injured when they went to Winnipeg twice. But... He he certainly had a very memorable performance as well, and the captain getting the job done. He stepped up big time in the in the absence of Jack Eichel, and and you know that's kind of what you want from Mark Stone. I know uh, during the broadcast, Dan and Gary had mentioned that he had met with his mom and dad, and they were in attendance. So you know, really cool moment for Mark Stone to be able to go back to to his hometown for the first time as a member of the team that he wears the C on his sweater with, and and have a very memorable two nights and and a very memorable performance and in. in uh, the, 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 uh, the, well, I can't even think of the arena and it's not bell center anymore, whatever the name of the arena that the jets play in now, but a, a very memorable performance for him. And I'm happy for him because, you know, he, he, he's certainly going to remember that as long as, uh, he, he's playing hockey. Now, um, Daniil Miramanov is an interesting one for me because a lot of people when, Daniil Mirmanov was the first call-up from Henderson in the absence of Alex Petrangelo. I heard a lot of, well, what about Caden Korzak? Why isn't it Caden Korzak? Why isn't it this defenseman? Why isn't it that defenseman? And my argument was always, okay, listen, when you have Alex Petrangelo come out of the lineup, you're not asking for or looking for Daniil Mirmanov to be Alex Petrangelo to replace the offensive skills that Petrangelo has, but there is an inkling of that within the way Daniil Mirmanov plays the game. He has good 
instincts offensively. He's one of those players that I think if you've got some confidence and you've got a situation where he can he can drive the bus offensively, as we've seen him do on the power play of late, uh, you are replacing skill for skill as best you can within your organization. And it showed up to the tune of, a three-point night for Daniil Mirmanov gets his first career NHL goal. He adds two helpers to it. Uh, instrumental, in my view, in the Golden Knights finding two points last night against the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, and and you know, I think more to your point, I think when you when you look at who the Golden Knights are missing in the lineup, uh, Shea Theodore and and both Alec and, and Alex Petrangelo on the blue line, those are those are two guys who provide you a little more upside offensively. So Korzak probably isn't the guy you want to put in there to to try to replicate. I mean, obviously, it's a big ask of anybody to step in and, and create the offense that both Theodore and Petrangelo are able to provide. But Korzak is a little bit more of a stay-at-home defenseman. He's a little bit more in the, the Braden McNabb mold where, yeah, he's got the ability to chip in offensively, but that's really not his his game. His game is a little more predicated on on, on staying home defensively, whereas with Miramanov, you 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 get a little bit more of the flashy offensive-minded defenseman. Obviously, being a former forward as well, that doesn't hurt. But I think obviously we saw what he's capable of last night when when he's playing at his very best, and and you know very cool for him to to triple his career uh, points last <laughs> night with three uh, going into last night. He only had one career point, and he also gets his first career goal. So it's one of those games where there's going to be a lot of memorable moments for some members of the Golden Knights, and and Miramanov being one. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I look at what Miramanov was able to do in the game last night, the confidence that he was playing with, obviously jumping into the rush and making sure that uh, that he was an option for Riley Smith. It turns a play that looked like transition that, that kind of, you know, was was snuffed out a little bit into an opportunity. And once Miramanov got that first one to go, I, I feel like he just kind of danced in the offensive zone. He was really, really good at it kind of making plays, establishing himself. And I think for, for the Golden Knights moving forward, getting Miramanov on the board and, and getting him on the board on the power play, a couple of assists on the power play, the ability to move the puck around, the decisiveness that he was moving the puck around last night, uh, that's a big positive for the Golden Knights moving forward as they you know they go into Chicago and then come home for a couple of games prior to Christmas break. If you've got Miramanov playing with that confidence, it, it really is what you're looking for if you're the Golden Knights. If you're Bruce Cassidy, that's a, a game from Miramanov that you, you want to be able to replicate uh, as much as possible as we bring in Darren Millard. Hey, Darren, um, uh, what what did what, what was your takeaway from Miramanov last night in his game? I thought there were some awesome steps forward for Miramanov offensively. And then on the defensive side of the puck, you have to live with some challenges or some learning at this level. Uh, it's the same as we saw. Didn't get the offensive production against the Boston Bruins, but there was flashes there, uh, certainly mm-hmm. in, in that game. And then on uh, one of the third period goals against, uh, he made an ill-advised step up uh, against Taylor Hall, and Boston ended up scoring on that play. So it's uh, live by the sword, die by the sword type of situation with Mirmanov. This is the uh, part that I will stress to people. If he is able to produce and, and contribute offensively and you're able to insulate him with a partner and be able to uh, let him grow at this level and still be able to be competitive 
uh, I think it's a big win because of what he means to the power play. And, and I'm not joking around about this. Mm-hmm. His ability to distribute the puck and walk the line and just his offensive instincts are uh, not elite yet, but they point in, in that direction of being above average. And that's what we saw as, at a time when a, a good defensive team and a team with a great goaltender was protecting a lead in the third period last night. Miramanov went out and, and has played in power play in, in, since he's been up uh, and since they, they fell into this situation. Uh, he, he made the plays to score. So uh, may, maybe you have to try and win games 5-4, 6-5. But, uh, but you're going to, going to see growth with Miramanov uh, along that, that step. So I, I think it's, it's progress. So with it, even, even given the, the, some of the challenges on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you in that I, I think you you were hoping to see, you wanted to see a game offensively like what you saw from Miramanov last night. And, you know, if you can kind of build off of that confidence, if, if Miramanov can, can continue to make those types of plays, especially on the power play, um, you'll, you'll live with the growth in his game defensively because uh, from an offensive upside perspective, I, I think that he's kind of the best guy that you have in the pipeline right now to try to to make up for the offense lost out of the lineup with Petrangelo and Shea Theodore not in it. There, there's, there's depth there uh, with this yeah. team, but there's, there's also uh, an ability to be able to step in and make a power play be effective. And that's where uh, Ben Hutton, he, he played in the second unit. Like he's got yeah. skills in that area. He, he can make that happen uh, ahead of, uh, say, a, a McNabb. Uh, along that line, I'd like to see, still like to see Martinez, uh, to be quite honest, yeah. uh, get some looks on, on the power play. But Miramanov in that, in that position is right now your best option when it comes to quarterbacking that first unit. And he showed that last night. And wasn't it uh, intriguing to see the power play come through in that situation and, and, uh, and do it in a third period. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was big. It, it was, uh, it was very much a special teams victory for the golden Knights. When you, when you have those opportunities in a game to, to draw even and go ahead, especially in a tight contest, like there was last night, you want your power play to come through for you. And it certainly did for the golden Knights. Like Bruce Cassidy has to be uh, happy with what his power play was able to do in the third period. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you uh, on that, and and I'll I'll say uh, add another uh, layer to it. It's it's not just uh, Daniil Merrimanov doing this. Uh, they they've scored on the power play a couple of different ways here in, in the last few games. The power move by Mark Stone to the net yeah. with the wraparound, where he had the uh, the option uh, to go to the middle, uh, but seized the opportunity because the Boston Bruins were shading towards the the bumper slot. Uh, and then you got the uh, the one timer, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we haven't seen Marcheseau in that spot a lot uh, over the last couple of years, and and he quite honestly showed me that he works on that all the time in practice. And uh, I'll speak from from experience in that because at the end of a skate, in, in the few times that I was out there, and this this mm-hmm. the the why I know this. Uh, they'll sit over on the dot, and, and he'll be uh, about to get some pucks, and I'll say to him, you want a goalie, or I'll skate towards the net. Uh, and, Wallace, you'll, you'll, you'll really be upset with this. 
Uh, and because Marshall will say, no, 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 you don't want to be in there for this. Because it's going to be hard, and it's going to be high, and it's going to be dangerous for a goaltender. Now, you would want me in there, and I don't yeah. blame you for that, uh, yeah. wanting me in there. But he works on that a lot. But seeing him on the power play, taking that one-timer and being the go-to guy. Now, part of this is Jack Eichel's not out there. Uh, you're missing uh, his skills, uh, and that uh, changes the, the look in your power play. But I, I quite frankly, I, I like that. Yeah, I liked it too because there was there was really no hesitation. Like the the puck movement around setting up those plays was quick and decisive. But the fact that Jonathan Marcheseau had his mind made up as that before that puck even got to him, I like the ability of of kind of knowing that that's where you you're know, funneling the play through. You know what's weird is is there was a before he scored uh, the winner, uh-huh. uh, he he got the puck and he double pumped. And he stopped, and he didn't get a shot off. And Elliot and I looked at each other and went, well, that, that might have been the chance. And he got a second opportunity, and he blasted it. Uh, so mm-hmm. he, he wasn't going to make that, uh, that same patient uh, uh, mistake again. No, not at all. And, and you hey, know, for Ryan, John of the Marshes, though, yeah. Just before, uh, well, I got you here. Uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's Ryan, there's Songy, there's Brittany. Uh, uh, in in this studio, and uh, and they are do, all doing uh, amazing things. But Kyle has just saved the day when it comes to uh, our our iPad and our Comrex unit, which connects us from Studio Thirty One. So we have four people working to get me connected <laughs> over the whatever the the logical stream that uh, that makes it sound like uh, like I'm right beside you. So just a mm-hmm. big stick tap to. A huge crowd here in Brittany and Songi and Ryan and Kyle, who was down there working his butt off. Well, that's awesome. I, yeah. I, I'm glad cool. you, you've got the cavalry in, in charge. And, well, it's not you know, my hopefully... cavalry. It's your cavalry. Oh, come on. Oh, okay. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Um, they, they, so... they blazed in here like uh, they were on uh, silver in the old Wild West. There was dust up and, and uh, things were flying. And now, now we're, we're set up and we're ready to go. All right, fantastic. Do, do you, Darren, want to take a break so that we can come back with you on a, on a clean feed? Let's do that. All right, we'll, we'll take a break. When we come back, Darren Millard, it'll sound like he and I are in the same room. That's more to come on the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Hey, do you guys have Instagram? Ooh, that sounds good, doesn't it? A little bit better than the phone quality that I was on in the first segment. Uh, Chris Chapman, Ryan Wallace, do you guys have Instagram? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Check you out follow my, me. Check out my Instagram. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a bit. I'm trying to lead the audience. We. This is the theater of the mind, Chapman. Okay. Just play. Just play along for a second. Yes. All right. Yes. Oh boy. I have Instagram. Yeah. We take one show yeah. off, and the chemistry completely <laughs> falls apart. So you have Instagram, and Wallace has Instagram. Do you yep. guys uh, check out my account? Because I was in the office this afternoon, and I walked mm-hmm. into the, the lunchroom, and there is a gingerbread house uh, from mm-hmm. T-Mobile uh, that's in the in the lunchroom. And people, it's uh, it's uh, Darren Dotmillard 
uh, on the Instagram. Mm-hmm. You need to check this thing out. It is so spectacular, this gingerbread yeah. house, that yep. there were six of us standing around it, and nobody would dive in because it looked too good. Right. And so we, a couple of us started nibbling away at the chimney, mm-hmm. but that's it. It was in there, and normally you got food in that lunchroom. It's gone. Free food. See you later. This looks <laughs> so good. People were intimidated to demolish right. the gingerbread house. It's the best gingerbread house I've ever seen. Okay, uh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, you're, it is you're, absolutely you're not, incredible. Yes. You're not you're not overselling this at all. Like no. it, it might be the the best gingerbread house I've ever seen. I, I also love the fact that there's like wrapped candies on yes, it. Yes. And yet I took some of that. It works. I got it some works of that so and well. a piece of the chimney. Oh, I, like, I'll I tell would you, absolutely be going for the wrapped candy. I see a dark Hershey's I'm diving, chocolate. I'm diving headfirst into that uh, Milky Way midnight. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, got, I got a Milky Way. So I took a bit of the chimney, but I didn't okay. because Santa's sled is actually resting on top of the chimney and then the reindeer on the rest of the house. So I had to make sure that the chimney didn't fall over because I didn't want to knock Santa off. But here's, here's the best part. I have been told, because it's been there all day and nobody's diving into it, that if it lasts until the end of the Insider Show, and mm. I go from Studio 31 over to my desk, if it's still there, I get to take it home. And you know what I'm going to do? Tell Mrs. Millard Bring that you were the us. one who made it. You got it, Chapman. We're back, <laughs> oh, baby. We're back. On. We're back. Come on. I am telling Mrs. Mallard that I took yep. a course, and I got the Best gingerbread house in the world. <laughs> you took a course in gingerbread making? Well, that stuff doesn't what, happen on what its is own. This? Yeah, it's like the food okay, network. That's fair. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, my kids have I, done it. My kids have think... done it. You know what they do? Yeah. They use glue on them because they to. can't get the walls to sure. stick. Yeah, they fall apart. Yeah, so, so we obviously can't eat them after, uh, but they have to glue them together. This thing isn't glued. This thing is stuck together with icing and the icicles mm-hmm. with the icing and the candy. And Please check it out. Darren Dot Millard, one R and Darren, on the old IG. Uh, it's up there, and you will be fascinated by this uh, gingerbread house from the folks over at T-Mobile. Can I make a suggestion, Darren Dot sure. Millard? Yeah. Um, you've got the video. Why don't you put it up on Twitter so that your Johnny Blue checkmark faithful can get it, can get a look at it? Well, be, you, now that's a good question. Yeah, don't you want to see? Don't you want to let John Shannon see it and, and all the I'm, other cool right. people that follow I'm you? I'm glad right. that you you raised that point. I, I'm welcome. I am not totally confident in the future of the little Tweety Bird. Uh-uh. <laughs> All right, it's it's there, still it's going here through right a now, bit of a, a a rough patch. There's some turbulence mm-hmm. over uh, mm-hmm. in the nest of the uh, turbulence is probably a good word. Tweety Bird, I like so, that you use nest. Well done. So right now, I'm I'm hedging my bet a little bit. I've already got the check mark, mm. and I've got the mm-hmm. trillion followers on on Twitter. But I also know if that doesn't survive, then I got nothing. So I got to start expanding my portfolio. The mm. expansion of the portfolio is TikTok and it's IG. What's so, the one where you have so to like they tell you to take a picture at a certain time? You don't know what time. That's it's be going. real. Okay. That's be real. That's not you're, you're so, not hedging so your bets on. on be real. No, no, no. Okay. I don't. I don't want. Uh, so I don't want everybody to see me being real. 
so you're extending your por- portfolio, you're advancing your portfolio by actively choosing not to be active on one of the parts of well, your portfolio? Right now, I'm building the brand over here by telling people on the radio, you can okay. see this, you can see this, but you have to see it over exclusively. here. If I, if I put it on Twitter, it's not exclusive. No. Why would they That's go over to the point. IG? This, this is brand awareness. This is brand management right now. That is a very fair point. Mm. Yeah, uh, I agree. So uh, how many times, curious, how many times do you guys remember a winning goal in a National Hockey League game coming without a goalie? <laughs> Ooh. I don't, very I don't often. remember no. one off the top of my head. No, I, not, I, I not, think not there was one last, night. No. last no, year. It, it, I think it there happens was one last every year. now and then with the situation like last night. Where a team is able to go up by two uh, by adding an empty netter, and then the other team comes back and scores. It's it's not unheard of, but it's very uncommon. And last night, William Carlson gets credit for the game-winning goal scored on an empty net. Now, you first look at that and you go, that's a strange strategy by Winnipeg to, <laughs> to not have a goaltender in. in. But I'll, I'll go a step further. Both goaltenders last night. Aiden Hill and Connor Hallibuck both allowed five. They allowed the yeah. same number of goals, but one guy leaves with a win, one guy leaves with a, a loss. It it adds to a strange, fun, back-and-forth, exciting, with all kinds of twists and turns, a hat-trick, two hat-trick watches uh, along with that, and a first National Hockey League goal. Like, there was, there was all kinds of... Uh, of cool little things happening and and in the middle of it one team leaves with a really much needed victory and the other club i don't know whether you guys saw any of the rick bonus's comments after was ticked off upset sour with his team promising some changes and and the winning goal was into an empty net it was it was goofy yeah, it was a it was an interesting game. It was a fun game. Like yeah. I'll be honest, as as someone that you know was was just watching the game to watch the game, um, I, I I thought it was really entertaining. It was really fun, back and forth, big time players making big time plays. Of course, you've got Mark Shifley with probably the worst feeling hat trick of his life uh, because you, you get the hat trick, it's great, but there's no opportunity whatsoever for your team to come back and, and do anything with it. Did they even um, drop the puck so after yeah, his hat trick? Yeah, for one second. Yeah. <laughs> it was 1.7 yeah, seconds just, left. Like, oh, what an empty, By the way, what an empty you, feeling that must have been. Do you recall? But, 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 people still threw hats? Yeah, I was going to ask you, have, have you yeah. recalled the situation where a player scores a hat trick at home and less hats are thrown on the ice than last night? Well, I... Anything more than two hats last night yeah. was a pretty big uh, example mm. of fandom. If you've got one second left on the clock, and <laughs> your team's going to lose, and everybody's hightailing it for the exits, my, like my dad, he would have been home by then. <laughs> I sure. guarantee yeah. you, yeah. my dad. Well, I'm, I'm been. not throwing my hat on the ice. No. no. So anything more than two hats, that's that's. Pretty good. I'm saving it for the next time. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully I, next time. I'm not throwing my hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a forty dollar hat. I'm not throwing it on the ice. And I wasn't even thinking of Shifley scoring a hat trick. I was so focused on Mark Stone because he's never had a regular season hat trick ever. Yeah, ne- like, never. He's had one hat trick in his National Hockey League career, and that was against the San Jose Sharks. 
in that uh, eventful playoff series. But that's that's it. He's had 26 games with uh, with two goals, 25 games with two goals, and one game mm-hmm. with three goals. But but he's in the been in the position 25 other times to get that hat trick. He's he's never done it. I thought for sure on a night that he collects mm-hmm. his 500th point and he's in his hometown and uh, they're they're trying to ice that win uh, that that he was going to get. It. They t- took a shot, but uh, but that mm-hmm. would have been the the icing on my gingerbread house. Well, that's that's good analogy kind of bringing it all for full circle mm-hmm. yeah I, I i certainly thought that that it was going to be there for mark stone the opportunity was there he was on the ice for at least over a minute right with the uh with the empty net but it wasn't to be mark did not get that that hat trick but william carlson gets on the board and that you know in in terms of the game looms pretty large when you factor in uh what mark shifley was able to do with just 1.6 seconds left uh, the uh, the Shifley hat trick uh, is a little bit of a consolation because uh, but he he's been great for them this year. But it does show if yeah. if Winnipeg doesn't get that top flight goaltending they, they, and they're a healthy team, that they're going to have trouble uh, competing. I, I still like their chances to make the playoffs. Uh, they're still uh, battling for that Central Division lead. Uh, but but Vegas uh, and I don't know whether that this is going to be the case going forward, but. Going into it, I kind of had the feeling they might have to win uh, 5-4, 4-3. Darren Elliott and I were were talking about it before. I I wasn't with half of your starting six defensemen out. It's pretty difficult to say we're going to lock this thing down and not give up any chances. Now, part part of the locking things down is real commitment from from up front uh, and and getting that help in in the defensive zone. But you're only... You're missing one guy up front. It's a huge guy. It's a massive uh, guy. It's your best player, but compared to the back end, uh, it's not as depleted. And uh, this might be the case for the next little bit until they can get. And well, I, I guess Eichel looks like he's going to be the first one back uh, out of the string of uh, people out of the lineup. So uh, it, it might be the case where they're going to have to just uh, roll it out eighty style. And try and win these games uh, heavy. Now, talking about the power play, Marshy being over on the uh, on that left side as you look at the goal, mm-hmm. like, like mm-hmm. Eichel, Eichel moved. You guys remember it was, I want to say maybe ten, fifteen games ago. There was there was a a good run of games where Eichel actually moved from his regular spot on the power play on mm-hmm. that left side over to the right side, and he hadn't played mm-hmm. there in in a long, long time. Like we're talking. Uh, college we're talking buffalo uh, we're talking his time in, in vegas he hadn't he hadn't played over on the right side and it, and it, it gave some some options it was good but they've they've gone back to him being on on that left side which takes away the marshy one-timer uh having seen yeah. the marsha so one-timer last night and that effectiveness i wonder when eichel comes back whether they keep that configuration and how they'll set it up. That'll, that's something for down the road. And I don't know when Marshy yeah. uh, listed his day to day, or Eichel when he listed his day to day, when he's going to be back. But that's something to keep in mind uh, when he does return to the lineup. Yeah, I, I mean, I think with John the Marshesos ability and willingness to shoot the puck from that flank and and you've you know you've got creativity with Jack Eichel where you know he's he's kind of able to peel off the wall and either head downhill or make a pass. I, I'd like to see. 
Eichel on, on the right side, John of the Marsh so on the left side, and kind of work those elbows as much as you possibly can. Um, but if, if John of the Marsh so continues to hammer the puck from that spot and he continues to find, uh, you know, a way to be impactful there, I think that, you know, Bruce Cassidy is, is going to at least entertain the idea when, when Eichel's ready to go and back in the lineup. He, he, he gave us a step-up game, didn't he? Like one of those ones yeah. where he just went out and flat out basically <laughs> just won the game for them in the, in the third period. Yeah. And that was much different yeah. from, from the Boston game where they were in the same situation tied going to the third period and and in a really good position to get something out of the game and boston first place team uh one of the best clubs in the national hockey league like winnipeg first place team having a great season uh took the game from vegas last night vegas was able to to stay in it and they did it uh even though they trailed in the third period and that's something that's starting to pick up steam these third period comebacks they haven't been down by a ton, but they've been trailing in the third period, and they're finding ways to win these games. And I'm I'm curious. I'll have to check around with uh, with some of my uh, player buddies uh, where that comes from. Is is that like a, a snowball effect going down a hill, and it gets it, or is that just their structure that allows them to to be able to stay in these games and come back? And when is it experience? Because uh, you've got more than a half dozen games where you're coming back from third period deficits and finding a way to win. Look at the standings right now, Wallace. Uh, you've you've got them up all mm-hmm. the time. Uh, take a look at the gap between first place Vegas and second place Seattle and third place Los Angeles. Los Angeles, boy, did they get tagged last night uh, by by the Buffalo Sabers. But the the difference between yeah. Vegas and second place Seattle is. 10 points? Uh, it is 8 points. 8 points. All right. So yep. 8 points. You've got a half dozen comebacks in the third period. That's 12. That's the difference mm-hmm. between if, if you don't make that happen, you're not in first place. That, that right. right now is uh, what's, what's spun you to the top of the Pacific Division, along with a, a lot of foundation and belief and strategy and uh, coaching. But turning those zeros into twos in the point column puts you in a comfortable advantage at a really critical time of your health of your roster. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I don't know that there's, like, one tried-and-true answer for why the Golden Knights have been able to do it outside of, um, you know, I, I think that this team believes that they're never out of a game regardless of what the score is they 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 look at you know what they have in the lineup and i know that it's been challenged now with with some injuries but even then i still think the golden knights believe that they've got enough talent to come back and win any game it doesn't really matter what what the the score is now you saw two extremes in the game against boston and the game against winnipeg the golden knights weren't able to get a play to fall their way in the third period against the Boston Bruins. But they were able to make a couple of really good plays, especially on the power play against Winnipeg. It's not always going to happen, but I think the Golden Knights' belief in themselves and in the team that they have allows them to to stick around in games and, and find ways to to put points on the board, and they've done a really good job of that through 31 games. It, it, it feels hard to believe that, uh, that they're only at those 31 games played. Because yeah. there's been yeah. so many uh, magnificent storylines, highs, and now recently uh, a couple of challenges with the injuries. 
But uh, when you go from uh, the goaltending uh, to Mirmanov scoring his first goal, and I'm working uh, my way uh, up front, to Jack Eichel uh, dunks on Winnipeg and goes back to Buffalo, uh, Shea Theodore being Mr. Overtime, Marcia so uh, producing goals and leading the team, uh, Mark Stone having a career year when it comes to goal scoring, Chandler Stevenson, uh, and, and Phil Kessel's uh, Ironman streak to Paul Cotter to that fourth line and Will Carrier. All that has happened in 31 games. It feels like a season. But I will, I will give you it this. Well, it's, it's not a, a Picasso, but it might be – sorry. It's not a Picasso hanging on Art Gallery's wall, that uh-huh. game last night. But that might be a Picasso in somebody's basement that they don't know about. Like, it was still, it was still <laughs> a big win. It was still a Picasso. And – I will challenge you by saying I think that was the best win of the season. Not the cleanest win, not the most uh, uh, perfect uh, win uh, when it comes to systems and execution, but that win down four of your top nine ice time leaders, down three of your six Mm -hmm. defensemen uh, with your backup goaltender in and on the road – and playing every second day, and then finding a way to win, that last night was the biggest win that I've seen out of their 21. I don't know that I disagree with you at all. I think you're right on the money. It was a really important game, a really big spot for the Golden Knights. You kind of leave another homestand feeling dejected because uh, you you, you lose more than you win, and then all of a sudden the Golden Knights find themselves in an absolute uh, shootout with with the Winnipeg Jets. And it was a back-and-forth game. There were momentum swings back and forth. And when you lose the entire right side of your defense and you go into a game understanding that for an offense that has struggled to score goals lately, uh, at home more so than on the road, you were going to have to find a way to put four or five, five or six on the board. And the Golden Knights were able to come through uh, with a big two points last night. And I, I think that I'm, I'm right there with you and that I think that was one of those games where you don't care how it gets done. You don't care if there are flaws within the way that you play in your structure and your details. All that matters is coming away with two points, and the Golden Knights did that. And they also, in the process, made Connor Hellebuck look pretty human as well. Well, I think Hellebuck had a lot to do with that uh, as well. Uh, Mere Manor surprised <laughs> him on, on his goal. I, I, I don't know yeah. why. Because I don't think Miramanov shoots at uh, 20 miles per hour faster than anybody else, but but he was he was really uh, taken off uh, guard or caught off guard with that. So you you beat Winnipeg in a game that, quite honestly, they'd never won in Winnipeg in a regulation, ever uh, mm-hmm. in the regular season. So last night, given everything that was lined up against you, that was going to be a challenge, and maybe I was alone in this, but I was thinking from the second period on. Find a way to get a point out of this. If you can find a way to get one point out of this, that's that's a real positive in a situation that uh, the odds uh, are stacked against you. They got two. That That's yeah. found money to me. And that makes tomorrow against Chicago a whole lot more relaxing. They get Saturday against the Islanders, and this is the pre-Christmas schedule, then Buffalo and Arizona – and St. Louis, who are hit and miss. Who knows what you're going to get with St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But but if you lose last night and you've got 
that weight of the world on you with the injuries, it puts so much added uh, importance and tension on tomorrow night in Chicago, where if you don't win that game, it can really get out of control on you just from a mood perspective. Now, this is a good group, and, and I'm not saying that uh, that they would uh, cave in by any means, but it, it certainly puts a lot more tension around things. Now tomorrow night, you got some goodwill. you got some good feelings. you you got to capitalize on last night by winning tomorrow night. Last night's no good if you don't win tomorrow night uh, because you were expecting, at, at the very least, a split out of that uh, anyway. But if you can pull off both and then come home and you have – the Buffaloes, which everybody will be up for. The Arizona, which you should win. St. Louis, who knows what you're going to get. Uh, y- y- you can turn a really, really vicious stretch with personnel going into the Christmas holidays into something a whole lot more acceptable. Yeah, and, and your point is well taken in that you know you, you get a bonus by getting the win, by getting two points last night against the Winnipeg Jets, but you have to follow it up with a victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. And does the win last night take a little bit of the pressure off? Absolutely. But for the Golden Knights going into tomorrow night against Chicago, they, they, that's still a game regardless of the injuries that the Golden Knights should find a way to win that, that the Golden Knights should come away with, with two points. So um, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say short-lived, but it allows you to play, I think, a little bit more free, a little bit more relaxed tomorrow night in Chicago, but the result has to be there. And again, I'm not even looking at it from... You, you you jump in yeah. the pool every now and then, so sure. so I'll put it yeah, into, yeah. into these these this kind of uh, outlook. You're either uh, sitting calmly, uh, mm-hmm. holding on to the side of the the pool with a with a nice uh, drink in your hand on a hot summer day, and you're 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 having you're lounging and you're just totally relaxing. That that's what happens if you win both. Like you're you're home and cool. If you lose last night, uh, you're treading water in the middle, and you're not yeah. feeling great. And you might be like jumping up, trying to to catch your breath, but you're but you're starting to get starting tired. To cramp. Right, you're starting to cramp. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a much different situation. Uh, so right now they're not in the side drinking the beer and and uh, mm-hmm. and cheering everybody, but they're feeling great. They got lots of stamina left, and they 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 can see somebody pouring the beer over on the bar and maybe bringing it over. Uh, they're in a good spot to be able to go uh, to be able to go two and zero in this thing, and that's that's where uh, the, the the win last night helps you out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think for the Golden Knights, you you get you get a big pick me up by being able to find a way in that game, um, and you get a pick me up by by the personnel that really you know did it for the Golden Knights. Four point night for Chandler Stevenson, a couple of goals for the captain, a couple of goals for Jonathan Marshall. So you got a three point night from Daniel Miramanov. Those are building blocks going into Chicago as well. Uh, Chicago, uh, they're uh, they're not going good uh, way right now. So we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. And again, it's an early start, uh, so I want to make sure that you uh, uh, know about that uh, as we get set for tomorrow night's uh, game. That will wrap up the road schedule before the Christmas break. Uh, we'll take a break ourselves right now and set up our number two of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Oh, yeah. Peanuts. 
the piano. Schroeder. You make it sound like I should know that. And well, you didn't know that mom was kissing dad. Listen, I mean, any anyone Claus. who's watched any of the Charlie Brown specials knows that Schroeder oh, is the Chapman. piano any, player. Anyone that's listened to that Michael Jackson, Jackson 5 song knows what's actually <laughs> happening there. Yeah. By the way, the name of that song is Linus and Lucy. It kind of makes mm. me think that the, the that they're the stars of the show and not Charlie Brown. Mm. Snoopy's the star. Come on. Like most That's people would point. call it Snoopy, not Peanut. Yeah, yeah, Snoopy's the star. Well, yeah, like when you see kid stuff, you don't see pictures of Linus and Lucy on the kid right. stuff. You see pe- Snoopy. Well, that took a long time to break you down, didn't it? <laughs> Just saying. I mean, you made this big stance, and well, then well, boom, I, thirty the, seconds the, later, the whole, done. The whole point is Charlie <laughs> Brown is not the, the star of the show. Yeah, they're the star. Boom. Well, see you later. I mean, Linus. Gotta, and, uh, they, they have their own song. We got to take a break. I uh, want to let people know we've got one timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League in hour number two. I had a great conversation with Barry Trotz this morning, uh, talking about Alexander Ovechkin, who scored numbers 798, 799, and 800 last night. He is one behind Gordy Howe for second in the all time goal scoring list. Uh, we'll uh, pass along some of those comments from. Uh, Barry and what he's doing and uh, what he plans on doing uh, on that conversation. A little bit more on the Vancouver Canucks and uh, where they're going with their captain. And we'll get into our game ratings from last night's contest in Winnipeg. One in regulation, and they did it in style. The VGK Insider Show, hour number two, coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas.